Well, good evening, everyone. We're going to be talking about the power of worship. And if you've been here for the past couple of weeks, then you kind of know where we are. Uh, if this is your first time to a Wednesday night, we just want to say welcome. We're going to have a great time. And also, if uh, you've been here for the past couple of weeks and maybe you missed last week or something, you can jump online and then catch up with the series that we're going through either by our website or on our uh, New Hope Church app. And either way, you can always catch up later, okay? That way we don't leave you in the dark and that way you can be up to speed with where we're at. Tonight we're going to be talking about this thing called the, the physical expressions of worship. And some of you already experienced that tonight. That there was a, a, a physical thing that took place during our worship time. And for some of you, it was clapping. Some of you clapped during worship. And uh, it's, it's not to keep rhythm because... Some of us ain't got none, so it's, it's not necessarily to, to clap during uh, worship for the rhythm. And although some people will use it for that, uh, tonight we're going to understand the reasons why we do certain things during worship on the physical side of it. We may understand the spiritual side, which is our hearts given to God, or we worship God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, or we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So there's a spiritual side to it, but at the same time, there's a physical side to worship. Uh, some of us raise our hands, some of us bow our heads, some of us uh, bow or, or go on our knees, and some of us will uh, just kind of close our hands together or maybe lift our heads. So we're going to look at the different physical expressions of worship. Now there's a, a place in the Bible, in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 1. If you want to open your Bibles, you can turn there. And I will also read the scripture. But it, it helps us to understand why we do what we do during worship. Now, I know there are going to be some of you who may be new to Jesus and, or new to worshiping God. Maybe you've just recently received Christ and everything is new. Or coming to church is new. Clapping your hands is new. Lifting your hands is new. Or for some... I remember at a season in my life, I, would say, I was saying, I'm not going to lift my hands. That's, that's weird. That's just, I'm not going to do that. Until I went to a, a football game. And then I was cheering. And I lift my hands when they scored a touchdown. When they caught a pass, I'll say, yes. And I thought, wait a minute. How can I do that so easily during a football game? But I can't do that to the God who gave his life for me so I could have eternal life. So I began to understand that there's something in us that holds us back from the full physical expression of worship to God. Now God will receive our worship whether or not we do a physical outward expression of what is happening on the, on the inside spiritually. He, he'll, he'll still accept our worship because worship is of the heart. But something happens and something happened to me when I started to worship him with a physical expression. In other words, I began to tell my flesh what my spirit wanted. It was no longer my flesh telling my spirit what's going to happen in my life. The moment I said yes to Jesus was the moment I said, I'm going to die to my old self and I'm going to live in this new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are New. So everything that comes with worship is going to be new. But it's on, only going to be new in the sense of worship. Not in the sense of we always do those things. 
How many of you clap your hands? Just raise your hand. You clap your hands. Right. We clap our hands. Uh, what about sing? You sing. You, right? We all sing. Uh, what about lifting your hands? Do you lift your hands? Yeah, we all do, except those who don't. You couldn't raise your hand. So we, don't, we do certain things, but it's, it's natural for us to do certain things because we were built in such a way that we were supposed to have a physical expression of worship. God created us this way. So it's, it's not necessarily unique to us, but it's, it may be unique to you during worship because it's, it's foreign to your flesh with spirit. In other words, in the world, whenever we would lift our hands during a concert, put our cell phones on during a concert, or back in the days, you guys used to use a lighter. I didn't go to concerts with lighters. So you used to go to concerts and you'd lift lighters, you'd lift your hands. You'd go crazy in the concert because it was a natural expression of your flesh, of our flesh. It was a natural expression. But now when it comes to the spirit, the spirit actually wants to do that, but the flesh is saying no. Pretty interesting, isn't it? The flesh is actually saying no to what it normally would automatically say yes to apart from God. So if you ever have a hard time lifting your hands during worship but an easy time lifting it during a football game or some other uh, uh, worship or some other concert or something else other than God, then it's an indication that you're on your way to spiritual maturity. Now, why do I say that? Because your flesh and spirit is now doing battle. You're going to sense that. You're going to be in worship through song, and you're going you're to know in your spirit that God deserves an expression of your spiritual maturity, an expression physically as an act of worship to him, more than just singing or more than just the heart side of it. There's going to be, you're going to feel that almost bubbling up. And it's, it's actually your, your spirit saying to your flesh, I'm taking over now. But you can fight it. The Bible tells us that we are, the flesh and spirit will always be at war with one another. So we will always have that battle. You're going to feel like you need to get, get on your knees before God. You need to humble yourself before God. But you don't want to because you're worried about what other, everyone else is going to say. And so you stop, and because of that, it's like your flesh now starts to win. When you know that your spirit is saying, nope, I'm telling you, flesh, what to do. we got to start saying yes to the spirit and no to the flesh. And here's the main reason why. Because whatever happens during worship can actually unleash what's going to happen in your own life. Sometimes things don't work out in our marriages, at our jobs, in our relationships because of our physical expression during worship that is not happening. See, when I'm able to say no to my flesh here in worship to God, I'll be able to say no to the flesh when I'm out there in my family, in my marriage, when I'm about to rip someone's head off because I'm angry at them, I'm able to now have my spirit built up enough so that my flesh does not take over. And that's the power of worship. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it reads this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, 
holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then it says this, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So two things happen. One is you're saying, oh, okay, this is my worship to God, that I'm presenting my body as a living sacrifice. It's not just our spirit. Yes, we worship God in spirit and in truth, but now we're, we're a, a physical expression of our worship to God. There's something that happens with our body. It's now our bodies that worship God. This is our reasonable service. And then it tags on, do not be conformed to this world. See, what can happen is if, I, if, if my physical body is not worshiping God, I will, by default, be conformed to the ways of this world. However, if I am saying with my body, I am going to worship God, a physical expression, and when I connect with God in such a way that he's renewing my mind, now I'm no longer being conformed to the ways of the world because he is transforming me because of the renewal of the mind. And that's a physical thing that takes place. Your mind is a physical thing. And it's transformed. Our life is transformed because of the renewing of the mind. And so what does it mean to have this physical expression to God? Because your physical expression uh, to everyone else uh, can be whatever you want it, want, it, want it to be. You can choose to have a... Uh, a countenance that says, oh, I'm delighted to see you. Or you can have a, a countenance that says, oh, I, I'm you again. You can have a, a, a physical countenance of saying, oh, I'm so glad that I get to be a part of this. And then you can have the physical countenance of saying, I hate being here. You can have the physical expression or the countenance of saying, oh, it's, I love being in this family. Or you can have the physical expression and the countenance of saying, oh, man, I can't wait to turn 18 and pay my own bills and get my own job, get my own car, pay my own gas, buy my own food and rent my own place or buy my own house. Can't wait to pay for my own cell phone. Oh, I can't wait to do that. See, our physical, I'm just being sarcastic in church. Our physical expressions say a lot. It says a lot. And so it is during worship. Our physical expressions say a lot to God himself. So the question is, what does our countenance look like during worship? I wonder if we were to film ourselves during worship, what we would see. In fact, we were filming you tonight, and here's what you look like. I'm just joking. Look, you panicked already. You guys are like, oh, no. We should have done that. That would have been so good for me because they wouldn't have filmed me. But think about it. Your physical expression is actually and should be a reflection of what is happening in the heart. That's why he says, you love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because the most important physical expression of worship to God is the heart. Everything comes out of the heart. So everything we're going to talk about tonight is premised with a heart for God. It's not just the actions or the, motion, or the motions of worship. It's the heart for God. So we're going to go through maybe seven physical expressions of our worship to God. And the first one is kneeling before God. If you want to write that down, you can do that. Kneeling before God. I, I don't know about you, but you know when there's a, a, uh, like a kingdom 
Some of you have daughters. I don't have daughters. I have two sons. So maybe you've played like kingdom and, and she was the princess and you're the king and she would come before you and, and uh, uh, bow down before you or kneel before you. Th- that was an ex- that's an expression of you are the king. You're the one in authority. I am paying respect to you. I, I am giving you honor. I am, I mean, I am giving you reverence. It's, a, it's an act of saying to whoever you're kneeling before that I respect you and I have complete reverence towards you. Psalm 95, verse 6, it says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Now, we all know, and, or if you're learning this, that God is the creator. He made you and I. Therefore, when we bow down before him, it works. It's appropriate. It's okay. It's not weird. It's not foreign. You're bowing down to your maker. It's a sign of humility. And it's a sign that says, God, I, I, I put you in the highest place. You know, there are some cultures that when you bow down to whoever is in authority, your head has to be lower than theirs. That's the expression. It's, I'm bowing down before you. Some, you kneel before the king. And when it comes to God, our maker, how much more should we be kneeling before him? Because he is our God. And we're saying, I respect you. I fear you. I honor you. You're my heavenly father. You're also acknowledging God as our maker, as your maker. Jesus said it well. He said, when you pray, pray like this. Our father who art in heaven. Our father. Jesus didn't exclude anyone. He said, our father. Everyone's included in this. So we can kneel before God. He gave us faith. He gave us gifts. He gave us a life to live. He's given us eternal life. He's our maker. He deserves our very own worship, our, our worship to him, our hearts to him, our kneeling before him. Some of us will kneel before him in prayer and we'll do that as an act of I, I humbly come before you in this prayer. This is my petition to you. You're acknowledging to him that everything we have is from God. It's not a religious thing. It's not about being religious. It's about our spiritual worship physically with all of our heart. Revelation 9, uh, 19, verses 9 and 10, we find that John, who is writing the book of Revelation, who has this revelation of Jesus Christ, bows down before an angel. And this is what the angel said. John writes this down. It says, And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, These are true words that come from God. And then John writes this, Then I fell down at his feet and worshipped him, but he said, No, don't worship me. I'm a servant of God just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. Worship only God. And then he says these words, For the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. Now I can imagine this angel now getting this worship by John himself and the angel almost in panic mode saying, What are you doing? Get up. Don't... Almost got me in trouble. You need to stand up. Don't worship me. Worship only God. He deserves all the worship. So even the angels know it's it's to bow down before God, only to God, not to anyone else or anything else. For the essence of prophecy is to give clear witness for Jesus. See, our worship to God, the testimony of Jesus, the good news that was given to us, 
it is the it is the empowering force behind prophetic pronunciation in other words when we're bowing down before god in worship and we're saying i'm giving you complete respect and honor something prophetic happens in our lives we may not see what's happening but what we can see is that god is going to be doing something and it's in the faith realm. It's not, it's not in the physical. We're not going to watch things go by. We're going we're gonna to actually, by faith, walk in a sense of our worship to God. It's a, it's a physical walking out what God is doing spiritually. That we trust in him. That this is what you're doing in my life. So I'm just going to follow you all the days of my life. And I'm going to trust that what you're saying is accurate and true. That I'm going to kneel before you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to trust you. You're saying die to myself so that others may live. I'm going to trust you. You're going to say give to you. I'm going to trust you. You're, you're, you're saying to me, ask for forgiveness. I'm going to trust you. And it's a bowing down so that we can say to the Lord, you are the one that's going to make this happen. And Jesus is the one that reveals this to us. That's the good news. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ so that we can proclaim his message to everyone. That's what the good news is all about. It's to say this is what Jesus has done in my life. There's a physical expression that takes place. Romans 14, verse 11. It says, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Philippians 2.10 also says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. See, you and I will bow to Jesus Christ either as Lord or as judge. We're going to bow before God as, our, as the one who saved us, or we're going to bow before him as judge. Either way, we're going to bow down before God. Either way. So I'd rather bow down before him as my Lord and my Savior rather than my judge. Jesus already took the punishment for our sins. Therefore, when we bow down to God, we're saying you are my Lord and Savior, no longer my judge. Now, I know some of us will write that or will say those things because people will say, you know, negative things to us and will say, no, God is my judge. And no, you don't want God to be your judge. You want God to be your Savior. You want him to be your Lord. So, yes, we can do whatever we want and people say, come on, man, get your act together. We, we believe in you. No, God is my judge. I, I, I'd rather flip that over and say, I don't want him to be my judge. I want him to be my Lord. I want him to be my Savior. Jesus took the pain of judgment for us. Let's not reverse that and say, I want God to be my judge. Let's have him be our, our Lord, our Savior, our God, the one who saved us. So here's the second thing, not just kneeling before God, but clapping, clapping before God. See, everything starts in the heart. So clapping is also an expression of saying to God, I am joyful in your presence in fact, Psalm 47, verse 1, it says, Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. Now, there's three terms for the word clap. The first one is takeh, uh, to strike or pledge oneself. So there would be times when they would clap their hands as a sign of when they made an agreement, they would clap their hands. We kind of do the same thing, but we shake hands. Now we do a signature. But when we clap our hands, it's a sign of agreement. 
You do that, like, even on a team, when you're with a team, when the coach says, this is what we're doing, A, B, C, D, this is the plan, everybody in, hands in. You get your hands in. Some of you do a, a special thing, and then you clap your hands. It's, you're agreeing. You're getting ready for the game. In other words, you're getting ready for the war. And that's what God says. You clap your hands and shout to me with a voice of triumph. Clapping is a sign of victory. It's a sign of saying, I am with you. It's a sign of honor, triumph, jubilee. Joy, agreement, and also relief. That sometimes when something uh, is about to happen that is not good and then some, someone saves or, or something uh, changes the event, you're like, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. I'm so grateful. It's like a sign of relief. You're thankful it didn't happen. And so when we worship God, we're also saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for what didn't happen in my life. I appreciate you. It's prophetic. You're saying, what is about to happen, Lord, in my prayers? I'm agreeing with you. I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting that the victory belongs to you. So I've been praying about this for a while, Lord. And as I worship you, I'm just agreeing with you. I'm so thankful. I'm thankful. I'm about to receive my miracle. I'm thankful, Lord. I am thankful. You may do that for 20 years, but I I tell you what, when that miracle comes to pass and when that happens, you will be so thankful thankful and it will be well worth the wait because it's always the heart god is doing something on the inside when you acknowledge this victory without even seeing it something is already happening on the inside and maybe maybe whatever you're hoping for god is saying it's the process in which you're going to achieve that that is more important than the actual goal of what you're about to receive Because all of this that was taking place has done something in your life that was far greater than the actual end goal. Did you know that when God was going to bring on judgment to Jerusalem, he used a man by the name of Ezekiel. And he speaks to Ezekiel to bring a sword against these men of Jerusalem that have turned against God. And in Ezekiel chapter 21, verse 14 and 17, God says this to Ezekiel. Ezekiel. He says, you therefore, son of man, prophesy and strike your hands together the third time let the sword do double damage it is the sword that slays the sword that slays the great men that enters their private chambers in other words god was saying they're, look they're doing something that is not righteous and they don't think anyone sees but i see therefore strike your hands together and come against them i will also beat my fists together And I will cause my fury to rest. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is another term for clapping our hands or as the Bible says, strike your hands together. It it means to smite, to strike, to beat, to scourge, to clap or applaud. There's a striking of the hands. There's a a different different meaning for it, although it's still clapping of the hands. And when you clap your hands, you're actually confirming and releasing at the same time what God is about to accomplish. You're agreeing with God. God releases his righteous fury on the enemy. That's what was happening with Ezekiel. So when we clap our hands, we're actually saying, Lord, we thank you for the victory over the devil. We thank you for the victory in my life over the enemy. We thank you for what you're about to do in my marriage because I know you're going to have a victorious, uh, this battle is going to be victorious because everything is in your hands. I trust in you. And when we're clapping, even during worship, we're not just clapping to stay on beat. We're clapping in the name of the Lord saying we are victorious in you over the enemy. And something of the heavenlies take place. 
In the book of Job, remember Job when he lost everything except his wife? And he, was, he lost his children, he lost his cattle. And after all of the news came to him, if you read the book of Job, just the first chapter, you would think that Job would just lose his mind. But Job did not. Job 27. Oh, excuse me, Job chapter 1 verse 20. That Job did not leave the presence of the Lord. He fell down and worshipped. As time went on, Job experienced time after time his friends coming up to him and saying, why don't you do this? You should do this. You should do that. His wife even came up to him and said, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Now, I'm wondering. No, I shouldn't say anything. Okay. And then Job 27, verse 23. In the book of Job, it says, men shall clap their hands at him and shall hiss him out of his place. This word for clap actually means to scorn. It's actually a word that means defeat or a word that means to slap. It's like there's a, I don't know if you've ever been in a, a place where or a, even a household that, that when things weren't going right, someone would just say, just slap the devil. Or, or it, kind of in a, out of context, they would say, just slap the devil out of him. It, it's, it's almost biblical, almost Biblical. Because there's a clapping that happens as a result of saying you're defeated. That this is an act of defeat. You're defeated. That you clap your hands at him and you hiss at them. It continues in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 25, verses 6 and 7. For thus says the Lord, because you clapped your hands, stamped your feet, and rejoiced in heart with all your disdain for the land of Israel, indeed, therefore, I will stretch out my hand against you and give you as plunder to the nations. I will cut you off from the peoples, and I will cause you to perish from the countries. I will destroy you, and you shall know that I am the Lord. This word clap in this context is a, is a word that means to clap of joy or, or the clap of joy or exultation. That when something would happen to someone else, or in, in, even in this scripture, when things weren't going well, people would clap like, yeah, good for you. That's what it would be as, yeah, good for you. That's what we would be saying. But we don't do this with people. We do this against the enemy. That it's a, it's a joyful exaltation. Lord, thank you for defeating the enemy. We could not do that. But you did. And so we, it's a sign of joy and exaltation. So we clap to the Lord with joy and exultation because he defeated the enemy. Here's the third one, lifting of hands. This is an expression of our worship, a physical expression of worship. We lift our hands. See, we, don't, we actually don't worship in the flesh. But you lift your hands in spirit so in the same movement, God helps you to worship him. You know when that flesh and spirit is doing battle? It's at that very moment where, you, where your spirit can be strengthened or weakened by what you choose to do. If you're saying, Lord, I'm going to lift my hands to you, then you lift your hands to God. You say no to your flesh and you, flesh and you say yes to the spirit. See, you're never alone when you worship God. You're with him. And so it is when a child comes up to their father or mother. What happens when they walk up to you and they want something? And they lift their hands. They want to be carried. They want to hug you. They just want to be with you. They lift their hands. 
Lifting of hands is also an expression of surrender. We surrender it to God. And when we, when, we, when we surrender, basically what we're saying is, none of me, all of you. Now, some of you might have a hard time and because a, a physical expression can be seen, you know, by other people. So maybe you've got to start off in baby steps. Just start off in baby steps. If you come to worship just, and your hands are down, just put them in your pocket. It's a little higher than this. So you just put them in your pocket. You just, this is your worship. You can even do the hitchhike. Lift your thumb up just one time. You can even do two, two thumbs up. That's like, that's a good movie that, two thumbs up. So you're, you're, you're ready to go. Or, or maybe you, you do like a, just a, I'm just going to carry on box. It's going to carry on box right now. It's just carrying on box, or a big box. You kind of step it up. Or, or maybe it's like, I'm cradle one baby. Just cradle one baby. Here in Hawaii, we get big babies, poi and lao lao, so big baby. <laughs> so you, so you, just, you, just, you just take baby steps and baby steps and baby steps, and then after a while, you'll be like, touchdown. Or YMCA. Or Rocky. Something's going to happen. You just take those slow steps, baby steps. Some of you, you, you wave to people. That's, you, you just do that. Some of you get heartburn worship, but you're okay. It's not, you just, I do that. I, was, I, like, I, I pump my chest. That's what I do. Or sometimes I do this. I clench my fists. I clench my fists because I, I picture myself in battle. I picture myself with a sword and a shield. And so that's, I worship God like that because I'm, I'm like, Lord, let's do this. Let's go to war. Whatever is going to happen, I know the victory belongs to you. So you got to process it. you got to think things through because you are actually worshiping the creator of the universe, the one who does the battle for us. So whatever steps you got to take, take those steps, however it's going to work. you got to wash windows, wash windows. Do whatever you're going to do. But turn it into a physical expression of worshiping God. Now, yeah, I'm having kind of fun with it, but really it's a serious matter. Yeah, it is serious matter. <laughs> Let's go on to a scripture. Why not? <laughs> Exodus 17, verse 11. It says, and so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. This is when the Israelites were doing battle. And when Moses' hands were up, they were advancing and they were winning the battle. But the moment his hands went down, then they were being defeated. See, something happens victoriously when we lift our hands to God. It's a weapon of warfare. Be comfortable with being uncomfortable so the comforter can come. We got to be okay with being uncomfortable. Not weird. but uncomfortable. There is a difference. Weird draws attention to yourself. Uncomfortable draws you close to God. Being uncomfortable allows the comforter, the Holy Spirit, to come in because we're moving outside of our comfort zone within the context of Scripture. And when we're able to say to the Lord, you know what, I'm not going to worry about other people. You watch, you watch your spiritual maturity excel. And not as a, as a result of, look at what I'm doing or the outside. No, there's, there's just going to be a spiritual maturity that takes place. Because you're, you're not worried so much about what other people will say, but you're actually focusing your worship on your worship with God. The fourth one is bowing our head before God. That you bow your head before God. 
You know, sometimes we'll say that when we pray, we just bow our heads before God. It's, it's an act of recognizing God's authority. It's a sign of respect of his power and his majesty. That there is no other God that Jesus Christ is Lord. First Chronicles chapter 29 verse 20, it says, Then David said to the, whole, to the whole assembly, I give praise to the Lord your God. And the entire assembly praised the Lord and the God of their ancestors. And they bowed low and knelt before the Lord and the king. In the book of Romans chapter 14 verses 11 and 12, For the scriptures say, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will confess and give praise to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So we bow our heads before him. That actually comes out of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 45, verses 22 and 23. Let all the world look to me for salvation, for I am God. There is no other. I have sworn by my own name. I have spoken the truth, and I will never, never go back on my word. Every knee will bend to me, and every tongue will confess allegiance to me. We're bowing before him. Some of you, you, you wonder, you know, can I even do this at home? Actually, all of this should come out of your home. Why would I do that here and not at home? Because some people will come up to me and they say, why don't we do this, 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 or this? First question I'll ask is, you can always do that at home. Are you doing that at home? Well, no, it's kind of weird at home. So if it's weird at home with the Lord one-on-one, why wouldn't it be weird here with 100 to 200, 300 people? Well, because then, you know, it would be like cool. We don't worship God to be cool. We worship God because he deserves to be worshiped. Which brings us to the fifth one. That's why I set it up this way, because this one can be a little, uh, it can get on the weird side. Lying prostrate before God. It's your face to the ground. It's not kneeling. It's not bowing. It's lying prostrate to the ground. It's lying face down to God. In fact, even in the book of Revelation, and you'll see different scriptures where they, when they were in the presence of God, they did not have any strength, and they were face down to the ground. Moses fell face down before God when he prayed. When Job lost everything, he fell face down before God. Job chapter 1 verse 20 through 22 says, Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. Yeah, Job lost it all. But he didn't justify his behavior by saying, I'm just going to party. I'm just going to live life how it is. I deserve that. He said, no, I am going to fall before God and I'm going to worship. And then he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. He fell to the ground. It's a word that means nafel. Or the word nafel means to fall prostrate. Prostrate oneself before and this is something that Job did all the time. So it wasn't because of tragedy that Job said, oh, no, i gotta, I got to worship God now because if I don't worship him, something else is going to happen. Something worse is going to happen. Or he falls down before God saying, Lord, help me, please. It was, it was an, an act of worship that he was always used to. In other words, when you're able to worship God in this kind of way, it actually prepares you for when tragedy hits, that you will still stand strong. 
that you're not falling face down before God as a last case effort to say, Lord, I need your help. It's worshiping God regardless of the circumstances. It's saying no matter what tragic situation comes my way, it doesn't change my worship to you. That I'm falling face down before you. That we're not going to wait till life falls apart to fall face down before God. Let this be an, a daily physical expression of our worship to God. That you're actually saying, Lord, I'm surrendering my will to your will. That's what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knelt down and he prayed and he said, can this cup be taken away from me? Yet not my will, but your will be done. It's a sign of saying, I don't want my will to be done. I trust in your will. And when you're able to lie prostrate before the Lord in good seasons, then you'll be able to lie prostrate before the Lord in bad seasons and still stand strong. Here's the sixth expression. And this one is dancing before the Lord. Now, we've gone through a... Now, I'm not going to dance, okay? So don't even think about it. We've gone through decades of different types of dancing. We here in Hawaii have this thing called hula. That's our culture. Someone asked me, actually many people asked me, why do you guys dance hula in church? I mean, isn't that, a, isn't that an ex- expression of worship to the, the Hawaiian gods? I said, you know what is interesting? That there are many dances that expresses different views or has a, has a different view of what that dance represents. You go to the clubs, there are different types of dances that express different things. You go to a high school dance and depending on what school you go to, there's going to be different dance moves that express different things. But when it comes to something like hula or, or some type of dance that is appropriate, then we always say, let's redeem that for the Lord. Hula is a beautiful dance that we redeem that before the Lord. And we redeem that for the Lord. And so when hula is done here in church, it's done in such a way that is appropriate and is redeemed for the Lord, that you're dancing for God. Sometimes we'll have our youth dance in here. We redeem that for the Lord. It's not as an expression for self to win a contest. It's dancing before the Lord. You know, one of the most controversial kings that Israel ever had was a man after God's own heart. His name was King David. I mean, King David was considered a man after God's own heart. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had her husband killed in battle. I mean, how, how can this man be a man after God's own heart? And then in this scripture, in 2 Samuel 6, verse 14, it says, Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. In other words, David kind of took off his outer garment and danced before God. His wife said, What is he doing? Foolish. But it was an expression of what was happening on the inside. Now, whatever expression we have to God when it comes to dance, that's going to be between you and the Lord. I want to encourage you, when you're at home, dance before God. Because if you can dance before God when you're at home, you have no problems dancing before Him when you're in a setting like this during worship. Now again, I didn't say be weird, but you can dance before God. And when people understand the heart behind it, You won't be weird because you'll be dancing before the Lord 
You won't be dancing for people or trying to gain self-recognition or you're not trying to dance to distract people. You're not trying to dance so people look at you or so that you draw attention to yourself. No, you're dancing before your maker as an expression of joy. Now, some of you will dance in one way. Some of you will dance in another way. Some of you just dance like this and you just clap your hands and you're good with that. You just do a step-to-step, kind of sidestep, and you're fine. That's your dancing. Some of you will maybe do even more. Maybe you'll jump up and down. That's your dancing. The youth do that. No one says anything. Why? Because that's what they do. But you can dance before God and be okay with it. I would say start at home because if you can't do it at home, you're going to have a hard time doing it out in public. So, and the last thing is this. We lift our heads before God. You lift your head before God. And lifting your head before God is, is a, it's actually a sign of victory. It's a sign of saying, not in a prideful way, but in a, a, a way of saying, I am so thankful that I am a part of the family of God, that I am in the kingdom of God. That I can lift my head before God. Psalm 3, verse 3, it says, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. It's a sign of being thankful, being grateful. It's a sign of I can do this, Lord, with you. It's a sign of never giving up. That's what happens, right, during sports. Like the greatest game that was played. It's, it's like if your children play a game, a, a sports game, championship game, and then they lose, and they're all you know, distraught, downcast, and, and burdened, and, and, and feeling uh, defeated. What do we say as coaches? Lift your head up. Be proud of how far you've come. Lift your head up. Nothing to be ashamed of. We get them next year. Whatever it is, we're saying lift your head up. Because the opposite is defeat. And so when you and I come to worship God, don't come defeated. Come with a victorious spirit. I notice that sometimes when people, like they'll introduce people to each other, they'll say, oh, so-and-so, this is, this is my friend Thomas or whatever it is. This is my friend Thomas, my friend Bill, it's my friend. Um, and, and, and if that person is living a life of sin, they will put their head down and they'll say, oh, nice to meet you. But this is what I want to encourage all of us in. Irregardless of our past, Jesus wants to be the lifter of our heads for our future because that's why he died. There is no longer shame. There is no longer guilt. You no longer have a past that drags you down. You have a future that lifts you up because God is our future. He is the lifter of our heads. He's the shield around us. So the next time you meet someone, stand tall, stand straight. When you shake, your, shake their hands, look at them in the eyes, keep your head up and say, nice to meet you because what you're saying is, I have a God who is the lifter of my head. I no longer am living in shame. I don't have that anymore. Jesus died for me. I now live in victory. And so when we close tonight, we're actually going to sing a song. I'm going to ask the worship team to come out. And now this song is a, we've, we sung it during our worship time, but uh, we, can, we can practice some of the things that uh, we've just learned. Actually, next week we're going to learn about our words and worship and how we can shout to God and, and lift our voices to God. But tonight, uh, with just the physical expressions of worship, just take one step forward, as it were. If you've never lifted your hands in church, 
try it tonight as a sign of worship. And when we're done with worship and we say, let's just applaud the Lord or we give God a clap offering, just clap your hands unto him. And it can mean many things with what we've learned tonight. It could be victory. It could be, oh boy, I, thank you for defeating the enemy. It could be, thank you for the miracle that's about to take place. You might kneel. You might fall prostrate before the Lord. You might lie down. You may, if, if you're having a hard time, uh, some of us say, I can't kneel. If I kneel, I won't be able to get up. Then use your chair and turn around and use your, I've done that before. I use my chair as a, as a way to brace myself. And then you can, you can worship God that way. You can come to the front and kneel. You can dance before the Lord. Some of you know hula. Just kind of make it up and dance before God. If you're a man and you know hula, go for it. You just dance before God. But we're doing that as a physical, physical expression to the Lord. You stand with me as we bow our heads and let's pray. Yeah, let's not be weird. Let's worship the Lord tonight. What do you say? Can we do that tonight? Can we worship the Lord? Do you agree with me? Yes, we do. You bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for teaching us the physical expressions of worship. Whether we clap our hands or dance before you, lay prostrate before you, whatever it is, Lord, we do unto you because it's our heart that matters most. Thank you for being our cornerstone. How great are you, God. We all say this in your name. And we said together, amen. Let's worship him tonight, shall we?